just for a few moments tonight, take your Bibles to Matthew 16, verse 21. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 21. From that time, Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and to be killed and to be raised on the third day. Then Peter took Him aside and began to rebuke Him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen. And He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. You're not mindful of the things of God, but you're mindful of the things of men. Lord, add your blessing to the preaching of your word. Open our ears and our hearts that we would receive from you. And everyone shouted a great big amen. Now, I think this is an interesting scripture tonight. Here is the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter is one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. You read the scriptures, you'll find that Jesus had 12 disciples. And Peter is a prominent disciple. Now, I've heard many sermons about Peter, about how Peter was harsh and brass, made quick decisions. And uh, I probably would agree with that, but we only got a few scriptures to indicate um, Peter's actions. And I think sometimes that we've we got to be careful that we don't write people off just because of a few things. Isn't that the way we do? We write people off when they just do a few, you know what I'm saying? It's like doubting Thomas. He doubted one time, but he's doubting Thomas. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the only scripture in the Bible that, you know, he's, he doubted once, but he's doubting Thomas. You know what I'm saying? Would you agree with that, Mark? I mean, we are we're quickly to define people by one mistake. I am glad that God don't define me by mistakes, especially one mistake. Can I hear an amen tonight? So poor Peter, boy, he, he's, he's gotten a bad rap in the Bible. And poor Mary Magdalene. I mean, Mary Magdalene's been labeled as a prostitute for 2,000 years, but the Bible don't even say she was a prostitute, but we labeled her as a prostitute. Isn't that crazy? That poor woman, when we get to <laughs> we're going to have to apologize to her. <laughs> we assume she was a prostitute because of certain scriptures, but the Bible has never said that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. So, um, but anyway, so this scripture is interesting to me, um, because it talks about Peter's rebuke. It's interesting to me that in verse number 13, look at it. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Verse number 14, they said, well, some of you say that you're John the Baptist, Elisha, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And then verse number 16, Simon Peter answered and said, You're the Christ, the Son of God, the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. So here, I want you to see something. In verses number 13 of the same chapter, we're in chapter 16, the same chapter, verses 13 through 17, Peter is praised. I mean, Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Now, if anybody's going to praise you, I would love to have some praise from the Master, wouldn't you? I mean, Jesus praises him and says, The Father has revealed this to you. The Father has spoken to you, Peter. And Peter was praised by Jesus. And I think that's awesome to be praised by the Lord. 
And then the Bible says in verse number 21, Jesus speaks of going to Calvary and dying. And the Bible says in verse 23, Matthew 16, verse 23, and Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Now hold on here. Y'all laughing yet? Are we reading the same chapter? In the same chapter, Jesus praises Peter and says, Peter, you are blessed. I mean, the Father hath revealed a secret to you. And then the same chapter, Jesus calls him the devil. Can I hear an amen? How quickly your attitude can change. One moment he is blessed, and the other moment he is rebuked. He's blessed one moment, and he's rebuked. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, you're so blessed, Peter, that upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, that is a whole different sermon, because there's people have fought about that scripture for thousands of years. The Roman Catholic Church seems to think that Peter is the first bishop of Rome, and so therefore, upon that rock, Peter, the church is built. I don't necessarily agree with that, but, you know, it's been fought over for years. Peter is an important figure here, you know? And Jesus praises Peter. says, you are praying. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this, but my Father in heaven then rebukes him. So what, what is the point here? Now listen to me. I think there's a, a point that if we don't pay attention, we miss the whole application of the Scripture. That it is possible to love God and to serve God and to walk in the Spirit one moment and to walk in the flesh the next. It's one moment to walk in the Spirit and one moment to walk in the flesh. It is possible to make a right decision and the next day make a wrong decision. It's possible to hear from the Lord one day and make a selfish decision the next day. It's possible to be nice and kind on Sunday and tell somebody off on Monday. You all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Can I hear an amen? So, so, so my point is, is that walking in the Spirit, listen to this, walking in the Spirit. You know, when you read the book of Galatians, it says walk in the Spirit and don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, in the book of Ephesians where it says that you should walk in the Spirit. Why should we walk in the Spirit? Well, number one, your Christian life is a journey. It should be walking it out. You should be walking your salvation out. And the scripture refers to us, don't, don't, be drunk, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. How do I walk in the Spirit? You walk in the Spirit by making the right decisions. That's how you know you're walking in the Spirit. When you make the right decisions. Because your destiny is determined by your decisions that you make. You are a sum total of all the decisions that you made in your life. You have either followed the Spirit or you've either followed the flesh. Your flesh is always in rebellion against God, but your spirit on the inside of you always wants to please God. And that is why there's a war. Remember what Jesus said? My flesh is weak, but my spirit is what? Willing. There's always a battle. The flesh is always in rebellion against God, and the spirit always wants to please God. That's why inside of you there's always a battle. I want to do what's right. I want to do what's right, but at the same time I give in to do what's wrong. That's what Paul said. The things I want to do, I don't do. I end up doing the things I don't want to do, Paul says, because there's a battle there. And here with Peter, Peter 
made a right decision. He followed the Spirit. He followed the promptings of the Spirit. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. You feel a gentle nudge of the Spirit to make a right decision. Can I hear an amen? That's what the Spirit is, is a gentle nudge in a certain direction. You know, it's really interesting to me that people get so hung up on the will of God. Like, what is the will of God? You see, your children don't get up in the morning and go to you and sit down and look at you and say, Oh, Father, what is your will today? Because you would look at your children like they're crazy. Because if they live in your house, they should know what your will is. My will is, is get upstairs, comb your hair, brush your teeth, eat your Fruit Loops, get on the bus and go to school. That's my will. If you live in my house, you should know what my will is. We got a bunch of Christians always seeking the will of God. I'll tell you what the will of God is. Just be faithful to church. Be faithful. Serve. Serve God. There's so many people that are so unfaithful. Not they're just just up and down. They're just just their lifeism. There's no alignment to their life. Always trying to jump from one thing to another and trying to find the will of God. And the will of God is not that hard to find out. Your life is a journey, and you've got to walk it out. And the will of God is to be discovered. I didn't go fast and pray uh, nine, nine hours to pastor a church. I just, that's just the prompting of the Spirit. I didn't have to fast and pray. I just knew that was the will of God. You know what I'm saying? So when you spend time with the Father, you should know there is the general will of God, and then there's the specific will of God. There are some things you have to pray about. Am I to marry that person or not to marry that person? Well, if, you know you shouldn't marry them if they're not a Christian. So number one, you don't have to pray about that. Can I hear an amen? So there's the general will of God. There's the general will of God. And then there is the specific will of God. When you, listen to me, when you do the general will of God, the specific will of God will be made known to you as you do the general will of God. And the problem is, is we're trying to do the specific will of God and we haven't done the general will of God. That's the problem. We're always trying to find the specifics when God is saying, just live out your Christian life. Live out the spiritual disciplines, prayer and reading the word and being faithful and making the right decisions and being faithful with your finances and faithful with your attendance. and fa- be, Do what you know is right. And when you do what is right, I'll make known to you the specific things that you ought to do. Hear an amen. You see, we get it mixed up. We want to, do, we want to find all the details to all that other stuff. You know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me one time and says, you need to win as you wait. Win as you wait. See, sometimes waiting on God, we give up on God. We sit down. But you need to learn how to win as you wait. One of the things that I've learned, we talk about, boy, i got to get there. Boy, if I can just get there, get that and do that, boy, I feel so much better. Isn't it interesting that whenever you get whatever you want and whenever you get to that location, which is the destination. We got destination disease. You ever heard of that? It's desti- always trying to get something, go somewhere. And when you get there, you usually talk about how you got there because the journey is so very, very important. Can I hear an amen? So Peter here walked in the Spirit one moment, and the next moment he was rebuked. Not only was he rebuked, he was called the devil. That's a strong rebuke. <laughs> He said, and the Lord said, get behind me. What the Lord was actually meaning was, you know, you're not the devil, Peter, but you're, you're listening to the promptings of the evil one. And you're not listening to the promptings of the Spirit. Verse number 22. 
Verse number, Matthew 6, verse 22, Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke Jesus and began to say to Jesus, it's not your will, it's not, this, this should not happen to you, Jesus. So the very first thing I want you to see in this story is sometimes His will is not what you want. Sometimes His will is not what you want. Peter was so clueless here he called Jesus the Son of God, but at the same time, Peter rebuked Jesus because he did not want Jesus to go to Calvary. And sometimes his will is not what you want. Verse number 22, it's not what you want. And, and Peter didn't want Jesus to die. It didn't make sense because sometimes his will is not what you want. Verse number 23, but he, re, he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. You're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. Mindful. So how does the Spirit work? The Spirit works through your mind. He operates through your mind. He says you're not mindful of the things of God, but you're mindful of the things of man. You are The Spirit works by your mind. He works by the promptings of your mind and in your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And listen, number two, even righteous people needs to be rebuked at times. Peter was a righteous man. He was an apostle, but the Lord understood that, listen, correction is, e correction is direction, not rejection. And sometimes we view correction as rejection. But in the Lord's eyes, correction is direction. He corrected Peter because he wanted Peter to get on the right direction here. And the trajectory was that Christ was going to die on the cross. And Peter wasn't thinking that. So correction equals direction. Correction is not rejection. Say that with me. Correction. Correction is direction, not rejection. So even righteous people needs to be rebuked. Even righteous people sometimes need to be corrected. How do you correct a righteous man? Well, the Bible says in Galatians 6, verse 1, Galatians 6, verse 1, I want you to see this. Galatians 6, verse 1, gives us the formula of how to correct a righteous man. This is verse number 1, Galatians 6, verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself also to be attempted. So when you correct a righteous person, the Scripture says you've got to be very, very careful how you do it, lest you fall in the same condemnation. You've got to be very careful, at least you fall in the same trap. He says do it with a spirit of gentleness. Be gentle with it. You know, don't shake your finger and say, I'm going to tell you how, you know. That's just not how you do things. Do it in a spirit of gentleness. So how do you do it? You do it, number one, in a spirit of gentleness. Number two, your motive is to restore them. And number three, you are aware that you might fall in it if you don't do it right. So you do it in a spirit of love, in a spirit of gentleness, but you do it to restore them, not to tear them down. You do it to restore them. And it says the person needs to be spiritual that rebukes. The person who is spiritual needs to be rebuked. You see, Jesus says the same thing. He says, if you find fault in your brother, you go to your brother. So did Peter have the humility to accept the rebuke of Jesus? Yes, he did. He rebuked Peter. He accepted it. Now, 
when there is a rebuke, when Jesus rebuked Peter, number three, sometimes you're going to feel distance from the Lord. You will feel a distance from the Lord. You will feel distance from the Lord because Jesus said, get behind me. Because Jesus is moving forward in preparation and Peter was behind him. Peter, if Peter was before him, Peter could see what the Lord was doing, but Peter was actually behind the Lord. He couldn't see what was happening. So when you get a rebuke like that, you're going to feel a distance from the Lord. You're going to feel a distance from the Lord. When you sense a separation, it's actually preparation for the next level. So God is saying, listen, even though there's this distance, this distance is not for separation, it's actually for preparation. I'm preparing you through this rebuke. I'm preparing you through this correction. Because correction is not rejection, correction is direction. He was giving Peter direction. He was giving Peter direction. Now I want you to go to Matthew 16, verse 21, and I want you to see here, I think this is so, uh, so very, very important. Matthew 16, and I want you to see in verse number 21, uh, Matthew 16, now I want you to see um, in verse 21, he says, from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chiefs and scribes to be killed and to be raised on that day. You see, if Peter would have listened to the Lord, verse number 21, Jesus already explained what he was getting ready to do. Do you see that? From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must suffer many things, that he must be killed. If Peter would have listened, he would have never taken Jesus aside to rebuke him. If Peter would have listened, Jesus would have never rebuked him. And isn't that ironic? If we just can open up our spiritual ears and listen to the things around us, it can save us a lot of trouble. Mother Teresa was asked one time, what is, what is love? Mother Teresa stopped and said, love is to listen. Isn't that true? Love is to listen because when you listen to someone, you are listening to their heart and in return you are becoming intimate with that person. Honesty is the highest form of intimacy. Honesty is the highest form of intimacy. And when you open your heart and you begin to listen, you become intimate, you become one with that person. And if Peter would have just listened to the Lord and opened up his heart because Jesus was showing his disciples, these are the things that must take place. And Peter ignored that because Peter's own agenda was, it doesn't make sense that you would die, Lord. And that's why Jesus had to rebuke him because sometimes his will is not our will. His will is not our will. So what can we learn from this story tonight? Oh, we can learn several things from this story we learn in this story tonight that there is always a conflict from the flesh and the spirit. We learn from the story tonight that the flesh is always in rebellion against God and the spirit always wants to please God. And each of them is following the promptings of their master. The spirit's master is the Lord. The flesh master is the enemy. They're following the promptings of their master. And, and to walk in the spirit is to really obey the spirit. To obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And it teaches us that one moment you can obey the Spirit and the next moment you can walk in the flesh. And we've seen that. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the Corinthian church was called 
babes. They were called carnal. How was the Corinthian church carnal and babes? After he called them sanctified. Because you can be positionally sanctified and positionally saved and yet be carnal. Yet, Peter at one moment listened to the Lord and the next moment he was following his flesh. Isn't that just like us? One moment we're doing the right thing and the next moment we, we mess up. This story teaches us that sometimes God's will is not what you want. Peter didn't want the Lord to die on the cross. That's why Peter rebuked the Lord. Sometimes this tells us, this story teaches us that even, even godly people sometimes need a little bit of correction or, or should I say gentle alignment. <laughs> you know, gentle alignment. We don't like the word correction, but let's just rephrase it to gentle alignment. Sometimes we have to have gentle alignment, don't we, Mark? Everybody say that tonight, gentle alignment. Amen. So when you're talking to your spouse and you get in an argument, just throw that word in there. Honey, let's just, let's just get a gentle alignment. <laughs> gentle alignment, gentle alignment. Teaches us that correction is for direction. It's not rejection. I'm not talking about raising your voice and degrading people. That's all pathetic. I'm not talking about any of that. And you know when a godly person is trying to gently align you with a spirit of meekness and love. We can receive that, can't we? Sure we can. It also teaches us that if Peter was walking in the spirit, he would have saw what the Lord was doing. Because the Bible says that Jesus showed his disciples that he must suffer. And Peter wasn't listening and as a result of Peter not listening, he followed his own agenda. Because when you have a relationship with someone, there's this give and take. There's this communication. You know, I know last year when I was praying, and there's been many years I've just, you know, I went and, and I've, I was praying and I was rambling off my list to the Lord. And I was saying, Lord, I need this, that, I need you to do that. You know, you know how we do in our prayer life. And lately, I feel a gentle alignment, okay? into alignment. I really feel like that when I'm done praying, I need just to listen. Just stop and just see if he needs to say anything to me. Because that's a relationship. Is he, it, does he want to say anything to me? I remember I was praying in the foyer out here uh, last month, and as I was walking, I was praying in the Spirit and walking, and, and I did hear the Lord say something to me as I was praying. Sometimes the Lord will do that. I was praying in the Spirit. Because when you pray in the Spirit, your mind is unfruitful. Your mind don't know what you're saying. It speaks mysteries to God, and so the Holy Spirit can download what He wants to say, say to you. But then there are other times you just need to be quiet and listen to what the Lord wants to say. How do I know the Lord is speaking to me? It's usually always spontaneous. Always. Spontaneous. It's almost like a fleeting thought, but it's spontaneous. It's soft and gentle. Sometimes it's quick when you hear it. Sometimes you doubt whether you heard it or not. And it's always in line with the written word of God. I've pastored for several years. I've heard people say crazy things. Like I'm going to go marry so-and-so. And they were already married. And they felt like the Lord will never tell you to do something like that. Can I hear an amen? It's always according to the will of God that's written. You follow the general will. And the specific will will be made known to you as you do the general will. <clears throat> 